0: Uh, we are in, oh, sorry, my name is Jason, by the way. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Alpine Church. Uh, this is my home campus, so I, I, I always enjoy coming here, especially uh, because I get to make fun of Laurie Hewitt, uh, which is my favorite thing to do. And when I get to do it from stage, it just makes it even better. So uh, I'm going to go easy on her today. I'm going to go easy on her today. But uh, we are in week three of this series called Anxious. And I was Uh, trying to think about times in my life when I had been really anxious. And as I sat and thought about it, 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 all of the things that came to mind had to do with my wife and my kids. And I realized that, like we joke about this, but they really are the reason that I'm bald and my hair is going gray. Like they really are, right? I sat and thought about it, and all of these things that came to mind, all of these things that, where I was really, just really anxious about what was going on had to do with them. And I thought probably one of the times most, and I think parents can relate to this, was our first pregnancy, right? And I can say our first pregnancy because I gained 40 pounds of Sympathy weight, right? I don't know why, like I don't know why they call it sympathy weight. I gained 40 pounds along with Lacey as as she was growing with our, our child inside of her. And so our, our first pregnancy was really like nine months of anxiety for me. And it was fr- from the get-go, right? It was from start to finish. Like just the, the initial uh, I think I'm pregnant, and I'm like, no, you're not, there's no way. And she's like, Well, there is a way, but <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but there is no way, right? And then, and then from waiting for the, the stupid stick, right? You guys know, you like waiting for that, and like, is, it, is that positive? Like, I think that's positive, I'm not really sure. And then just everything from there, like going to the first doctor appointment and, and, you know, making it official, yes, you're pregnant. And then all the follow-up appointments from there, just hoping that you hear a heartbeat, that everything is okay, everything's going all right, the baby's healthy. And then Lacey has, because of her blood type, she had to get this weird shot, otherwise her body would like eat the baby or something. Like, I don't know, it was super weird. That was terrifying, right, and then all the way up to the pregnancy where uh, Kobe decided that he was a problem child, and we had to go in for the emergency C-section, right, and he's been a problem ever since, and so the whole nine months was just this, this crazy, just constant an- anxiety for me, and also she got the swine flu while she was pregnant, which was just super weird, so anyway, just it, it, it was all these crazy things happening, and I'm not really somebody who gets anxious a whole lot. And I know that that, that story is pretty, pretty lighthearted because I know that there's some people in here who, who are, are, are crippled by anxiety. And so I, I don't want to make light of that. I, re- I really want to touch on some things today that, that affect some of us that, that, that make it really hard for us to function sometimes. And I know that's a, 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 a real uh, possibility in some of our lives that, that we are just really struggling to, to day by day get through things because there's something that is consuming us. And so uh, we're going to talk today about when our thoughts run wild. Okay, when, when our thoughts run wild. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit more in, in Philippians chapter 4 about what Paul had to say about this. And this is like when you're sitting at work. And you're trying to get a project done, right, and all you can think about is, is this meeting that you have with your boss at 4.30 p.m. Right? Like, who schedules a meeting at the end of the day? You know that it's going to be bad, right, and that's all you can think about. Or you're on vacation and you're just trying to, you're just trying to relax and enjoy the peace and the, and the sand on the beach, but all you can do is think about the things that you forgot to do at home before you left. Right? Like, I know the stove's on. I know the house is burning down right now, but I'm on the beach. Right, or, 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 or you are out to dinner with your friends and you're just trying to be present in that relationship. But you're, you're focused on waiting for those test results that you know are going to come back soon. And there's all these things that are, that, are, that are taking up your mind, keeping your mind from being in the place where you should be. And this is called rumination. Okay, this is called rumination. And the dictionary definition here is rumination is a deep or considered thought about something. Okay, or a little more fun definition is the action of chewing the cud. All right, this, is, this is the second part of the definition. The action of chewing the cud. So, so rumination is when your mind chews on something over and over and over. Okay, and that really is a, a classic symptom of anxiety. It's the situation where your thoughts are, are racing. And you're constantly dwelling on, on, on that same thing. You just cannot seem to shut your mind off. Okay, and so that's, that's why the next thing that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4 is what we think about. And here's what he says in, in verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So Paul here, he gives us the, this healthy example of rumination. Okay, the, the kind of rumination that will lead to peace. And we're going we're gonna to look at this, this verse in, in more detail here in a little bit. But first, let's, let's take a, a small detour to uh, talk about how the mind works. Okay, how the mind works. Like, what is anxiety? Anxiety is an emotion that's caused by the brain's reaction to situations, not by the situation themselves, okay? So the brain, I think we can all agree, is a pretty, pretty complex thing. All right, God designed the brain. Humans, scientists, are still trying to figure out exactly how it works. There's a book that's titled, Rewire Your Anxious Brain. Okay, and in that book, what researchers found is that most people believe that certain situations are the cause of their anxiety. Certain situations are the cause of their anxiety, but anxiety actually begins in the brain, not with a situation. Okay, anxiety is a human emotion. It's produced by the human brain. So emotions are caused by the brain's reaction to situations, are you guys with me so far? Because it's going to get a lot weirder, all right? So uh, when we think about how the brain reacts to fearful situations, there really seems to be uh, two pathways that it takes. Okay. The logical pathway involves the brain cortex. Okay. That, that's, it, it, if your anxiety is connected to a specific memory or a specific thought, the cortex is where that starts. And once the information hits the part of your brain called the amygdala, I told you guys, it's gonna get weird. Okay, the 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 uh, amygdala—that's when you actually feel anxious, because the amygdala is the part of the brain that interprets emotions, okay, like fear, like anxiety, like uh, anger, okay. And so, that the there's some types of anxiety that that take a shortcut. Amygdala-based anxiety takes a shortcut. Okay, it actually skips the cortex. Okay, so it it travels the pathway from the thalamus directly to the amygdala, and there is going to be a quiz at the end of this. So make sure you're paying attention, taking notes here. Okay, so it it travels from the thalamus directly to the amygdala, and with that, with those types of anxiety, like you're not even sure where it comes from. You have no idea what is going on, what is happening in your mind. Okay, and this is this is this is how uh, panic attacks happen. So they're just an overreaction of the amygdala that, that makes no sense to the cortex. This is how the book describes it. It says, basically, a panic attack is your body launching into the fight, flight, or freeze response at an inappropriate time due to an overreaction by the amygdala, often in response to some sort of trigger that poses no actual danger or no real danger. Okay, so so what happens during a panic attack? You ruminate. Okay, that's, that, that's what you do. But it isn't just during panic attacks. Like most people experience temporary rumination uh, when, when there's uh, uh, any kind of anxiety coming up, any, anything that's, that's, that's taking over their thoughts or, or a weird situation, right, like you're thinking about an upcoming test or an upcoming job interview. Okay, all of us will experience the same thing. So rumination is a normal response to lots of situations. It's not just the extremes. But it becomes a problem when it's frequent. It becomes a problem when it's ongoing, when it interferes with your ability to engage in daily tasks, when it interferes with your ability to concentrate, when it interferes with your ability to relate to others. Sometimes it can even affect your ability to experience positive emotions at all. In 2008, uh, I, I lost my dad. And the loss of a loved one is always going to be An extreme circumstance, right? Something that that occupies your thoughts. But there were a lot of unusual and and questionable circumstances surrounding his death. And so because of that, it it consumed me. Okay, I I, I dwelled on on that, on on what had happened for, for days, for weeks, for months. It was all I could think about. And that turned to anger. Okay, and I had no way, no matter how much I tried, no matter what I did to try to stop those thoughts, they kept running through my head. There was nothing I could do to get through that. And so, again, it's, it's a problem. And when your mind can't let go of a situation that you can't change and you can't control and you just keep playing that, that fearful thought over and over and over in your head, right, like the, like the cow who's endlessly chewing on its cud, it's a problem, I know that that description probably hits home with, with a lot of us who, uh, who experience anxiety, right, just that inability to close off your mind and, and, and get, uh, get a new thought in there. And so that's why I want to look at, at the biblical solution, okay, uh, because long before science understood the brain, the Bible offered a solution to anxiety, and it was to redirect your thoughts. Okay, to redirect your thoughts. So contrary to what our kids are being taught in school, uh, the human being is the same today as they were 2,000 years ago. Okay, that's, that. So long before science uh, understood the cortex or the amygdala, like people still struggled with anxiety. People still had to deal with, with anxious thoughts. And so the Apostle Paul, he, he, he offers us this, this time-tested approach. Okay, if we look back at verse 8. It says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So what was interesting is I was going over notes and and kind of doing my little mini-study for this whole amygdala thing. Like, there were so many articles from psychology websites and things like that, that that really said the same thing. Redirect your thoughts. Redirect your, your thoughts somewhere else. Usually it was, it was using some form of, of meditation or, or some, you know, thought-focusing technique. So the Bible, the Bible use it in the biblical language, it says to fix your thoughts. Okay, fix your thoughts on certain things. Choose what you're going to think about. And so the idea here is to, is to reflect or dwell on some thoughts instead of others. And that's going to involve focus and intentionality from us. Like, if you let your mind wander, most likely it's going to wander into the, the anxious and fearful and, and negative directions. Right? Like, it, it, it's pretty rare in our life that our thoughts wander in, in, in a good direction unless we take control of them. Think about when it, when it rains up in the mountains. Or, for, sorry, for you freaks, up in the mountains right? Think about when it rains up in the mountains like that. Water will always take the path of of least resistance, right? So the water, it's going to find that ravine and it's going to work its way down. And then what happens is over time is that path gets eroded, right? And so the next time it rains, that water has an easier path to follow. The exact same thing happens in our minds with our thoughts. Our thoughts are actually producing ravines in our mind that makes it easier. The next time we think of that thought, it just pops up, right? Our, Our minds do the exact same thing as what happens in the mountains when it, 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 it rains. So let's look at the kind of thoughts that the Bible tells us to fix on so we can kind of change those paths, right? The Bible says to, to, to think about the things that are true. Think about the things that are true. Focus on thoughts that are true, not just those false narratives that, that kind of fuel your anxiety, not the what-ifs and the maybes, not even the, the lies, right, the blatant lies that, that we buy into. See, m- uh, many of our anxious ruminations, they don't, they don't even make logical sense it doesn't even make sense why we're thinking those thoughts right it's like the the black hole of the internet the black hole of YouTube right like you hop on there just to get a great recipe for dinner that night and then an hour and a half later you're watching shark attack videos and you're like I have no idea how I how I got here I have no idea what's going on I just wanted to make spaghetti and meatballs right like that's the same thing that happens with our thoughts all of a sudden we're thinking things we're like where did that come from where did that thought how did I even how did I even get here so focus on what is true. And the Bible says to focus on what is honorable, right, and pure. Okay, honorable, right, and, and pure. You want to focus on things that, that, that please God. See, the reality is that, that often our ruminations, they, they can take us to a pretty, pretty sinful place. And the, the kind of X factor here for, uh, for, for Christians is that that can be related in our sinful habits. Okay, in particular, the, in particular, the things that, that nobody knows about, right? When you're living that, that, that secret life, you know you're out of step with God. And you want to do everything you can to make sure that nobody else knows that you're out of step with God. You wrestle with the, the hypocrisy of your, your outward life, and that contributes <laughs> to your anxiety, that just builds up on the anxiety, and, and, and it just continues to grow. So in other words, stop ruminating on sin. Fix your thoughts on the things that are good. Fix your thoughts on godly thoughts. Psalm 139, starting in verse 23, says this. says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When I read this, I think the author of this psalm must be one of the bravest people to ever exist. Right? To, to ask God to point out everything in you that offends him, that's terrifying to me. But I know that I need it. I know that I need to do that. I know that all of us need to do that. To, to, to just, I, I pray that we can all open up enough in our relationship with God that we could pray an honest prayer like that. To ask God just to, to lay bare our hearts right before him. And I think it's interesting that the psalmist acknowledges here that, that this is part of his anxious thoughts, right? In context, we don't we don't really know what is fueling his anxiety, but but he thinks or he links it to his anxious thinking. To the possibility that there are elements of his thought life that are offensive to God. And he asks God to to point it out if if there's anything there. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't want to have anything in his life that's hidden from view or that would be not honoring to God. And so he asked God to point those out. And so, so that's what we need to do. We need to focus on the things that please God. So back to Philippians 4. It says to focus on the things that are lovely, that are admirable. Okay? And th- these, these are two words, that, it, just a fun fact. Right? Th- th- this is the only place that these two words appear in the New Testament. It's the only place that they appear in the New Testament. And lovely, it it carries this idea of of something worth pursuing, right? Something that you you value, something that you prize. And admirable is is something that deserves to be highly spoken of, right? So these are two good things. They they, they draw our attention upward towards the good. So we want to focus our, our, our thoughts on the things that are positive, not on the things that are negative, and so you see that it's kind of the, the, the counterpart to what Paul says. He says, let everything you say or think be good and helpful so that your words or your thoughts will be an encouragement to those who hear or think them. Okay, our thoughts go just along with our, our words. And that's what, what Paul tries to teach us here. The things that we think about, right, when we can refocus those to the positive, It's an encouragement for us. It's an encouragement for others. So what do you do then? What happens once you get your thoughts right? See, when you win the battle in your mind, you can win the battle in everyday life. Okay, when you win the battle in your mind, you can win the battle in everyday life. Like this is more than just some abstract psychological topic for Paul. Okay, Paul's teaching this and he actually, he he, he was living it. Right, this is how he was living. So in Philippians 4.9, it says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul's actually inviting them and us, okay, to to live what he was living. To hear everything that he was saying, everything that they, they learned from them, everything that they saw him doing, the way he was living, to keep putting that into practice. And what happens is is day by day you develop these these mental habits, right? The the, the water starts to run down a different ravine. The thoughts start to go down a different ravine. And it becomes easier, it becomes more natural for us to start to think those positive thoughts instead of those negative thoughts taking over. So you start to win that mental battle every single day. And it starts to change your life. So in verse 7 we go back to this idea of, of God's peace. It's not just God's peace as like something that he, he does for us, but it's, it's, it, it's God himself, right, who is the God of peace who comes to, to live with you, who will be with you. And God is always with you, but talking about the, the experience of his presence in your life. Right? Paul's saying that's what you can experience, like the, the, the feeling of God being with you, not just this thing that, that God does for us. And this is what separates the Bible's teaching from any, any secular teaching. Right? Anything that we might hear in, in psychology is that God is actually in it. God is, uh, 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 God is real. God is alive. God is involved in our lives. And if you don't know God in that way, you can. You can. This is exactly why Jesus came. Jesus left his, his throne in heaven, and he came down to be born into this humble, these humble circumstances, right? He lives this perfect, sinless life in perfect obedience to God, and then he allows himself to be captured and, and, and murdered. He dies a sinner's death, even though he was sinless. He dies a sinner's death to pay the price for our sin, for our disobedience, So when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we can know God in that way. We can have that relationship with God. Romans 9 says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we are saved. We are saved. We're promised salvation, forgiveness of our sins, eternity in heaven with your creator. So if you don't know God in that way, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus and what he did, don't go home today without doing that. Come talk to me, talk to another leader, talk to the person you came with. It is the single most important decision that you will make in your life is to trust in Jesus. So let me wrap up today with kind of a more practical thought, what we can do with this. Let's talk for a minute about how we, how we put these things into practice, the things that we've learned, the things that, the, that Paul has, has taught us. See, his instructions are to fix our thoughts on the right kinds of things. And in the Old Testament, the, the scriptures talk a lot about meditation, the practice of meditation. But the thing is, biblical meditation is, is way different than like the, the Asian or, or New Age types of meditation, right? It's not about uh, emptying your mind or, or losing yourself in meditation. It's actually, biblical meditation is actually about filling your mind with the right kinds of things. Okay, it's about filling your mind with, with the, the, the right kinds of things. And the Bible actually suggests three things to meditate on. Okay, the first thing is is God himself. Okay, Psalm 145 says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor. So we meditate on God himself. The second thing is on what God has done. Okay, Psalm 119 says, I will meditate on your wonderful deeds, the things that God has done in our life already. So we meditate on God, we meditate on the things that he's done, and then lastly, we meditate on God's word, or on scripture. Okay, Psalm 1 says, delight in the law of the Lord, Meditating on it day and night. Okay, so those are the three things the Bible suggests we meditate on. Who who God is, what God has done, and God's word. See, the Bible really is key here because that's how we know God's character. That's how we know his works. Biblical meditation is is spending time to to consciously focus on God, on who he is, on on what he's done, on what he has said to us. And so the practical thing here, a great way to practice that is, is first just to pick a verse. Okay, pick a verse. Maybe it's a verse you memorized. Maybe it's something you, you read in your, in your morning devotional. Pick a verse. And then what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use Philippians 4-7 because that's what I have here in my notes. Okay, so you're going to pick a verse. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go through that verse and pay attention to each key verse or to each keyword, word okay, or, or concept in there. So Philippians 4-7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Okay, and so what I would do is I would take some time. Oh, I went too, too far, huh? That's not there. All right. Uh, so I, I would take some time to think about what this verse says, right? So it starts out in, uh, then you will experience God's peace. So I think about what, what, what does that mean? I think about the word experience. It's more than, more than something I can know. It's something I can experience. And what is, what is God's peace? How is that different than, than regular peace? What, is that, what does that actually look like? And it, and it says it will exceed anything we, we can understand. And okay, it, it exceeds, right? It's more than what I can, what do I expect from God? It's going to be more than that, more than I can understand. How much more can I, can I understand about God? It's infinite, and that's what makes God worthy of our praise, right? He's bigger than we can know, and so I, I continue on. What, what It says that, that, that his peace will guard our hearts and our minds from what? What will it guard? What, what, what thoughts are slipping through? What things are going on in my life that it needs to be guarded? What, what does the guarding? How does it guard it, right? And so that, I think you guys get the point, right? So you, you pick a verse, you focus on, on, on the ideas and the concepts in that verse, and you go through it over and over. You repeat it. You meditate on it. And you think about what that verse means and how it applies in your life. And so that process, what that will do is that will engage your mind on God's word. It will fill your mind with what, what Paul says that we should do. Fill, our, fill, our, th- fill our, our, our mind with things that are true and honorable and, and right and pure, and lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And that's how you can overcome those negative and anxious thoughts when they start to run wild in your head. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I thank you for just for who you are. God, you are a God that, that understands in the midst of, of our anxiety, in the, in the midst of our anxiousness and our, and our thoughts, God. You understand what it is we're dealing with. And God, you, pro, you provide us with this clear picture of what it looks like to turn our thoughts into prayer. God, to instead of, of worrying day and night about these things going on in our lives, God, to turn to you and trust in you and who you are and what you've already done in our life. So, God, I pray for uh, just for anybody in here, God, who, who really struggles with anxiety. God, I pray that they can take this counsel from Paul. God, that they can take and, and turn their thoughts into the things of, of, of this world that are good, things that are godly. God, and that that can transform their thought process, God, that they can start to focus on, on things that, that you do for us. God, I pray for anyone in here who doesn't yet know who you are, God, that does not have a relationship with you yet, God, that you would move in their life, that you would make yourself just unbelievably known to them. God, thank you for just everything you do in each of our lives. I know every one of us is in a different place, God. We're all dealing with different struggles, different things going on in our lives, different hardships, God. And as we come up on holiday season, God, I know that, I know that the tendency is to dwell on those negative thoughts. God, to dwell on the have-nots instead of the haves, God. And so I just pray that we could be a people who who have joy in our life because of who you are and what you've done. And I pray that we would be a people who are bold to, to go out and share that love with others. So God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.